2: The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live Wide Open.
1: Off the end of the back straightaway. Larson's going to send it. Larson's in the wall. Larson's on Hamlin's back bumper. Logano leads down the back straightaway. Keselowski's in line. Now he turns him. Boot, Team Penske cars crash. Keselowski is up in a ball of flame.
2: NASCAR Live Wide Open is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Now... Here is your host, Mike Bagley.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Nest Car Live Wide Open here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley, producer Trey, and the rest of the MRN crew here with you as we get ready to go dirt racing for one of two times in 2022. Of course, the only time the Cup Series will do it, trucks will race Bristol Dirt. They'll also race at Knoxville later on in the year. But a different twist this year. It made some adjustments to the racetrack. Be curious to see how that plays out. And also, for the first time in a long time, we're racing on Easter Sunday. If you listen to NASCAR Live Tuesday, Alex Hayden gave us a great history piece about when we have raced on Easter in the past, and perhaps maybe we are going to start a new tradition this weekend. You know, we talk about sports on holidays. The NBA has Christmas Day. You've also got the NFL on Thanksgiving well, NASCAR is going to venture into the Easter waters Saturday, or I'm sorry, Sunday night under the light Easter Sunday night under the lights there at Bristol. We hope that works out. Looks like the weather is going to cooperate. And this is a race weekend where we see different people in different race cars and race vehicles. The entry lists are out for this weekend. You've obviously got some some Cup drivers that are going to come down and race in the Truck Series, like Chase Elliott's going to drive the number seven truck for Spire Motorsports. Joey Logano is going to drive for David Gilliland Racing. Harrison Burton's going to be in the race as well. And also that's going to be in the race, a young lady, Stuart Friesen's wife, Jessica. Jessica is a very talented race car driver. She does a lot of racing in upstate New York, dirt modifieds and the like. She's also run other open wheel cars as well. This, I believe, will be her second time in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. She raced Knoxville last fall, and that was after trying to qualify for the race last spring. If you remember, the last time we were at Bristol uh, on the dirt, It rained that weekend. Qualifying got rained out. They set the field by the rule book, and she was unable to race. So this will be her first time racing at Bristol with her husband, Stuart. Matter of fact, they were guests of ours on NASCAR Live Tuesday, and we got carried away with conversation. You heard a little bit of the conversation. That conversation went on for like 12, 13 minutes or so. We figured we would bring you the balance of that because they have quite the compelling story about Stuart doing his racing. Jessica doing her racing. They're trying to raise a child, plus manage businesses. I mean, it definitely takes a village to support the Friesen household. When we got into the interview, we talked some formalities of some formal racing, but I was curious to find out how they met, how they made things work, and how they continue to make things work through their marriage and through their racing careers. Is
3: racing what attracted the two of you? Is that what brought the two of you together? Yeah, most definitely. That's how we met. Yeah. Uh, I got a ride uh, from Southern Ontario and got a ride racing for the Madsons. And it brought us to Chrome Speedway on Sunday nights uh, in 2004. And uh, there was this good looking little blonde running the sportsman division. And uh, you know, every week at the driver's meeting, I just tried to stand closer and closer and closer. And uh, (laughs) finally, was able to uh, rub off on her a little bit and uh, you know it, it's been awesome it's been uh, a labor of love uh, but, but here we are.
1: So what was his pickup line when he finally got the courage to approach you? How did this happen? Did he drop a line on you? Like how did this come to be?
4: Um, it was a couple of years in the making um, passing each other at racetracks and I remember him walking by me once I think I was maybe like 15 16 it was like one of my first sportsman races on the road and he was like kind of in the series for a little bit and he was winning and I was just getting started and he we passed each other on pit road and he just like hi just kind of said hi and it was it was really awkward I'm like oh I didn't even know he knew I was so um that's kind of where it started and then it was just a little bit here and there just hi how are you and uh he wasn't very good at his pickup lines. He, he's, I'm not that smooth. No, but, he wasn't
3: very smooth. <laughs> uh, that, that hello and then, you know, AOL instant messenger, some messages back and forth, and uh, that's kind of where it
1: started. <laughs> and look what it's turned into. Jessica, I want to ask you about how you got involved in racing. I know your dad was a dirt modified racer, but your mother was an optometrist. You had two choices, actually three, race race. Go into Vision or do something else. How did you land on racing? Why not the other career path?
4: Um. Yeah, I, uh, I started going to the races when I was uh, you know just a few weeks old. Uh, grew up at a local dirt track on the Speedway, which Stuart and I still get to, to compete there. We live about 15 minutes from there. Um, so I grew up going to the races, watching my dad race. I started racing go-karts when I was seven. Um, my mom tried to detour me a little bit with like horses and doing different things and, you know, girls were supposed to do different stuff, but, um, I kind of stuck with the go karts, and I was a tomboy and grew up in the race shop and at the local dirt track. And, um, yeah, so I've, I've raced my whole life and the last couple of years, you know, things have kind of gone in different directions. You know, Stuart and I met, we started a family with our son Parker and we started a business. And so my, I still love racing and racing is still my passion and I, I just don't get to do it as much as I'd like to. Um. You know focus obviously our, our family our son and our business and then to get the opportunity um, from the great people we have around us like Stuart mentioned you know our, our HFR race team, um, Helmar International, Core Pack Merchandising you know great supporters and great people that we've had behind us so that I still get an opportunity to race once in a while um, it, it's awesome.
1: Now you bring up Parker that is your son and Stu I'll bring you into this. So what does Parker make about both both mommy and daddy being both race car drivers that's all he knows how does he deal with this how does he like it does he have challenges what's the deal
4: you know obviously well parker grew up a little bit differently he was a little bit behind um being on the autism spectrum we had a little bit of challenges with you know having being in groups of people and being around people um but you know with with the great help and the great you know therapy that he's gotten with his aba therapy he has just bloomed into being a people person and he loves the, the atmosphere of the racetrack and he loves people and he loves meeting the kids and you know which racetrack are we going to go to and is there a playground and what kids are going to be there and I feel like he definitely doesn't know any different um you know of us not just of you know a racing family he's grown up around it he it's his lifestyle too um he loves it um I, I don't think he knows you know anything different he's looking forward to going to the racetrack this weekend too and you know definitely be scouting out
3: whatever kids he sees in his sights to go play with um yeah us racing together or racing at the same time is, is kind of just an afterthought for him um because we've been doing it uh since he was born you know jess only really took off you know the months she was pregnant and a little bit of the of the year after we had her back in a modified again so you know it, it's something that he enjoys and, and um it's all part of it so whether he wants to go into racing, you know, we have a little go-kart and we built a dirt track behind a race shop up here that we mess around with. You know, if he wants to do that, we'll, we'll you know, obviously provide him the, the tools and resources as, as much as we can, um, but it, but it's up to him. So like like Jess said, he loves the social aspect of it and, uh, you know, and enjoys traveling just as much as we do. So it's, it's all good.
1: And you mentioned Parker is on the spectrum.
3: There are other families out there
1: that have children that are on the spectrum and they may not know it. What advice can you give to parents out there that may think that their child has something going on, but they don't know what it is. And also, once they find out that maybe their child is on the spectrum, the next steps and how to deal with that.
4: So, I mean, that's something that we've been working towards. Um, We started AIM Autism, an organization um, where in the last couple of years, we've we've done fundraising and and uh, raised profits for a local, mostly we've um, been sending the funds to a Crossroads Center for Children, a local center. Um, but when we, you know, Parker uh, first got diagnosed, we kind of knew he was missing some milestones. We knew he was a little bit behind. Uh, we took him to a developmental pediatrician and within 10 minutes, um, you know, she told us that he was, he, he was on the spectrum um, and that we needed to get him some immediate therapy. We um, got on a waiting list to get him ABA therapy, applied behavioral analysis therapy, um, and he got that for about two and a half years, five days a week, and that was, I believe, to us and our family, life changing. And so, what we're trying to do with Aim Autism is kind of um, broaden the um, the knowledge and the education of how powerful that educate or that um, therapy was for our son and can be for other children on the spectrum, and um, you know, kind of bring awareness to it and bring awareness to early. Um, detection of of autism you know there's just little things that you can pick up on and maybe you just brush them off like you know he'll catch up or or my child's just a little bit behind and it's not a big deal but um, the sooner that you can get an evaluation from from you know an expert on you know this to help get correct therapy and to help make the right steps to help your child early um, is so important. Uh, Parker was diagnosed at a year and a half and he is now six and he's made such massive gains and strides that um, everything we've, you know, put back into it, we're just trying to help other families that are going through the same same issues and the same, um, you know, challenges. challenges that we had.
1: And I'm sure that those challenges are compounded with the busy nature of your work schedules. And I applaud you for finding balance. You know, it's hard to find balance when you're on a nine to five and balancing home life and all that, but you've got a lot going on there. And obviously racing is an important part of the Friesen family. I'm sure it'll be a part of Parker's as well. A beautiful young man, and thank you for sharing that because there's a lot of families out there that need to know this, and that perhaps maybe you've just inspired someone to either go have their child checked or the next steps in, in how to handle that. Speaking of next steps, we're talking about racing, we're going to Bristol, and all that. I want to back up for just a moment, Stu. You tested the next gen car for the Cup Series. What's your general takeaway of that test, and what information did you provide NASCAR that may help teams this weekend when they go with the next gen car to Bristol?
5: Yeah, for sure.
3: Well, first of all, it was it was an awesome opportunity uh, to be able to do this for NASCAR and, and work with all the teams together, all the engineers and crew chiefs uh, that participated in two tests. You know, we started with a car at, at Lancaster in, in mid December in the cold, that it was challenging. It was hard to make a lap without spinning out. You know, we just tried to get you know the drivability there in the car, some forgiveness uh, in the car, and and threw a lot at it at that test. You know, Goodyear brought a whole bunch of different tires. They threw a lot at it, and, and you know, we left in December there just with a boatload of information. Uh, went to Bristol last week, and, and Goodyear refined the tire to to what they're going to bring, uh, which I think they did a great job with the tire. Really, really drives well. 100% improvement than the tire we had last year. You know, and then just tried to dial it in to Bristol to to make the car forgiving, be able to to get it bent and and get sideways on the cushion, if that's what it's gonna be like, uh, and also have, you know, the adjustability in, in it to run good on the slick. So we did a lot of different stuff, you know, just provided, uh, you know, the most feedback I could uh, to all the different teams and they can listen to that. And then, you know, they, they left with, with a run log of the day so they can adjust on their cars back in the shop and, and see what they bring. So we did test uh, one session with the windshield out had Nick Hoffman there with his UMP mod, and, and the guys did a good job tilling the track up and getting it muddy, um, and, and threw some mud at it. I pulled a couple tear offs, and we uh, we covered the cockpit full of mud. And uh, you know, I'm not sure whether we're there, you know NASCAR will make the decision to, to race like that this weekend, but you know, there, there's you know some good information there. So we'll see what happens. Uh, it was it was fun to do, and uh, you know, just proud to be a little bit a part of that solution, and hopefully the racing's better because of it.
1: From what I saw in the video, when you threw it in the corner and it pitched, it just continued. Last year, they'd throw it in the corner and it would stop. You have to reset and, and get dug back in. Was that the end? Because the video is is on social media. Was that video towards the beginning, the end? It just seemed like that the car flowed better through the corners than it did last year.
3: It did. That was, you know, working on a couple of different spring combinations um, and, and just some different stuff with the mechanics of the car to get it to be able to get bent and, and not coil bind anywhere and not spike and, and you know spin out, you know, tried to push it to its limits as, as much as I could. And, and you know, we probably spun out 30 or 40 times at Lancaster and, and probably only spun out three or four times at Bristol, you know, pushing it. So it is better that the the test track we had last week was was superior. You know, it was an overcast day, cloudy, so we had a lot of grip in the morning. The sun came out just after noon, and and it blew off and kind of got dusty and slick, and we were able to to tune a little bit on that, put a lot of heat in the tire, and saw what it was going to do. So, you know, I think it's uh, you know the best of both worlds that we can possibly have. You know, it's definitely a purpose-built pavement vehicle that we're trying to make a a good dirt race um, out of it. So, I think it's going to race pretty good. I think the biggest thing about the event will be. The races, the truck race and and cup race being during nighttime conditions, you know, there's a lot more dampness in the air. You know, it's going to keep that dust down, um, and, and hopefully allow the guys to kind of search around the racetrack and, and find that grip, and maybe you know get racing up along the fence and, and allow for some slide jobs and allow for a couple different grooves. So um, hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll be be a lot better.
1: Our fingers are crossed, Jessica. What we'll end with you? You say your time is very limited. There's so many demands on your time and. We are looking forward to having you with us this weekend. What about what about beyond that? Is Knoxville an option? And what about local racing? How many more times can we expect to see you on local tracks?
4: Um, I'm hoping quite a bit throughout the summer to some local uh, Utica Rome and Fonda Speedway up here in upstate New York. Um, be able to do that, you know, for the majority of the summer when Parker and I aren't traveling with Stuart. Um, and then hopefully, if all goes well at Bristol, uh, we're planning to do Knoxville also, so looking forward to that too
1: thumbs up that's awesome appreciate you both spending time with us here on nascar live can't wait to see you both on the racetrack and all the best to you thank
4: you thanks for having us yeah thank you
1: that's Stuart and jessica Friesen as they get ready for the Pinty Sturt race coming up for the nascar camping world truck series saturday night you'll hear that on motor racing network we'll run you through the broadcast schedule later in this episode There's also another driver in a different place this weekend, and that would be Josh Williams. We've gotten to know him in the Arkham Menard Series. We've gotten to know him in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. He's making his first cup start on the dirt for BJ McLeod Motorsports, and he joins us on the hotline right now. Josh, welcome to NASCAR Live Wide Open. How are we doing today?
5: Oh, pretty good, man. Pretty good. Uh, We're here at the at the racetrack at highland rim here in tennessee doing some legends of bando racing uh, before we head over to bristol for the cup race
1: it's funny you start with that because i was going to end up getting there we'll talk about the cup race this weekend this is something what you're doing right now that has been a part of your life i guess at the beginning of your driving career no
5: oh yeah yeah i've uh you know i started racing uh bandoleros in, in 2003 and you know legends cars in 2007 and that's been a pretty cool deal for me to kind of keep it going and and help the kids out a little bit, try to get their career heads in the right direction and, um, you know, help them and their families make the right decisions in motorsports to, you know, be in the sport as long as they can and, you know, try to teach them, uh, try to teach them the way I did it, you know, try to race on a budget and do things the smart way. Well,
1: what what kind of foundation did that give you starting with, with uh, go-karts, legends, bandoleros, things like that? What does that teach a young race car driver?
5: I mean, the, you know, the biggest thing is, is uh, I think the Legends cars is is really good for kids, you know, to learn car control and, and to travel around and run different types of racetracks. You know, I mean, we run some tracks that are, you know, really fast, high paced, you know, really smooth. And then we come to some tracks that are super small and rough or out technical. So, you know, it it just gives them a, a wide variety of, you know, different tra- types of tracks and surfaces they can get used to. And. When they leave Legends cars getting a late model, most of them look at me and they go, man, this is easy. <laughs> yeah, you got a lot more tire than you're used to. <laughs>
1: now, you learned that way. That's how you got started. You you obviously got your feet wet doing that. As you progressed through, what was next for you after you know Bandoleros and Legends? We know you made it to the ARCA series. What was between that and ARCA? Was there anything else or did you just make the jump?
5: I um I ran a, a lot of pro truck stuff in South Florida, um, you know. It's kind of me and Ross Chastain. We grew up racing at the same racetrack together, and, and we uh, we beat the doors off each other every weekend. So we came to a, a decision, you know, where a little crossroad, I guess you could say. Is you know what do we do? Do we you know try to run some late model stuff and travel and and uh, head that direction or? You know, do we look into the ARCA series? And um, Ken Reagan and David Reagan were a big help with me on that, and making that decision to to do the ARCA stuff. Um, Barry Owen was my crew chief then when I first started, and um, you know, financially at that point in time, the way that the system was, I mean, you could buy an old Cup car, or a old um, you know, Xfinity car for a pretty cheap price, put a motor in it, set it up, and you could go race in the ARCA series. So. It made sense for us to, to do that to try to you know put ourselves on a on a national stage and um you know be on tv and and do that direction so it, it worked out pretty good for us you know it it was tough doing it on our own and you know we had a lot of good runs and we had a lot of a lot of bad runs but you know it's part of owning your own team Got
1: 102 starts in the arca series you ultimately moved to the xfinity series got 131 there and You've obviously run a handful of races over there in 2022, and now you're greeted with the opportunity to go cup racing for the very first time for B.J. McLeod Motorsports. How did that come together? How did B.J. select you to run his car this weekend on the dirt in Bristol?
5: Man, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's been a, a hard process, you know, a, a tough thing for us to, to put together. And, you know, we have some amazing partners, you know, that we've been working with for years now. And, you know, my, my three main sponsors have been with me, almost since the beginning of my Xfinity career, uh, Alloy Employer Services, uh, Startron, Starbrite and, uh, Sleepwell. They've uh, been with us for a while and and they're like, man, we, we really want to, you know, be with you all the way through and and get you to Sundays. And, uh, BJ, he's like, man, I don't want to run the dirt race. And I was like, I want to run the dirt race. That'd be fun. You know, running the ARC series at at Springfield and DeCoin, you know, I've had a lot of practice with a heavy stock car on, on a dirt track like that. So, um, I said, well, let's make it happen. He's like, cool, because I don't want to run it. <laughs> so so it worked out good in my, in my favor for sure. And because
1: of that experience uh, in the Arca Series on dirt, you obviously have a leg up on a lot of other people in that cup garage. What is it like racing a heavy stock car, stock vehicle on a dirt track? What do you have to not do that you would otherwise do if you were on asphalt?
5: Um, you know, the, the biggest thing is, is I think – um, a lot of people, you know, you see a lot of guys right before this crystal Dirt deal, you know, they'll go run like a late model on dirt or a, or a modified on dirt. And, and I've never understood that because it is nowhere close. It is not even the same, you know, in the slightest bit. Um, you basically almost just try to try to drive it like, a, like an asphalt car, you know, nice and straight, you know, try to keep everything in control. And, um, you know, that, that's, the, that's kind of the best way that, to, that I've had success. You know we've ran up front in the arca series and um the last dirt race we ran we got uh right reared unfortunately with five laps to go leading that one so um hopefully that that pays off for me and i think the track's gonna get get dry slick pretty quick so you know you're gonna have to treat it like asphalt track and keep your right rear tire on it so you got something at the end
1: is dirt racing that something that appealed to you back in the day you were just never able to do it or you just locked in on asphalt but did it whenever the opportunities crept up on it.
5: yeah i've uh i've done a couple things you know throughout my career some some modified stuff some late moth stuff you know off and on but um you know i was just always doing asphalt things and you know i mean we try to race every weekend so there really wasn't a lot of off time to to go play but i love it I, I think it's cool man that those guys they race so hard and they're they're so clean you know racing each other no mirrors no spotters and And they just, you know, they all show each other some respect, and and I like that aspect of dirt racing. Now, the cleaning part, I'm not a big fan of that. That's that's a process right there. Um, uh, Some of my guys that work for me on my development team, I'm like, man, we need to get a dirt car. They're like, no, we don't need to get a dirt car.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What is the cleanup period like? Like, how long does it take you? I assume that the power washer gets a workout.
5: Oh yeah, yeah, the old pressure washer is going to be your best friend. I can promise you that
1: there's going to be a lot. They're going to have to go through that this weekend. What would be success for you and, and, and BJ and the 78 card this uh, weekend? What would you, what would need to happen there for you to walk away and be like? You know what? That wasn't too bad. That was a successful day for us,
5: man. I'm going to be completely honest. So you just, just finish all the laps, you know, be there, be competitive. Um, you know, if it's a, if it's a top 20 or, you know, if it's a, you know, even if we finish 30th, you know what I mean? It is, it's, you know, it's our first cup start. You know my first time driving this new car and you know trying to learn it and um you know with it being Bristol dirt as well i mean you you never know and and i talked to bj a little bit about it and matt uh, matt tiff and i'm like you know this is probably the best opportunity you know for me being my first cup start you know and and it's it's a real level playing field i mean they don't have a lot of they don't have any experience with this car on dirt so it's going to be beneficial for me as far as that they might know the cars a little better than me but You know, we're going to be in the same playing field as far as, uh, you know, new car on that surface.
1: Would you want to see a dirt race in the Xfinity Series if that uh, ever got brought up or even suggested?
5: Oh, I've been begging for it since they they announced the Bristol Dirt deal the first time. It's uh, it's just, it's different, you know, it's something different, it's fun. And you get to see a lot of different drivers, um, you know, have success. You know, people who normally don't run up front usually... You know, creep their way up towards the front or just be a little bit more competitive. You know, I think it levels the playing field for sure. And it's just fun. You know, it's, it's, I'm sure that some of the team owners don't like it because their uh, stuff gets tore up a little bit. But, you know, it's cool for the fans. It's cool for us drivers. It's something different. And and that's why I like the Arca series so much. I mean, we ran everything, you know, dirt, um, asphalt, road courses, short tracks, super speedways, mile and a half. I mean, we did it all. And and that was cool. You know, that was, I think uh, that's why the, Parker Series thrived so well, you know, a few years ago. Just all that diversity.
1: Variety is the spice of life, and we got a lot of spice coming our way, especially this weekend when we're headed off to Bristol. We wish you the best. Appreciate you taking time for us. We know you're busy getting set up and and squared away to get over to Bristol, but uh, we wish you and and BJ, everybody on the 78 team, the best this weekend. Go put on a show for us.
5: Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to it. Shiny side up.
2: NASCAR Coast to Coast is a show dedicated to spotlighting the short track community across the country, offering a new show every Thursday on the Motor Racing Network's YouTube channel. This show has it covered. Hosted by Chris Wilner and myself, Kyle Rickey, NASCAR Coast to Coast offers insightful interviews and fun deep dives into the what, when, why, and hows of grassroots racing in America. This show serves the heart of racing from coast to coast.
1: And we certainly wish Josh the best as he gets ready for his first run into the NASCAR Cup Series. Let's transition now. Let's talk some odds. I can't wait to hear this. Producer Trey, what do you have for us this week in this very unique race at Bristol Motor Speedway coming up on Sunday?
6: Well, Mike, the favorites in this one aren't going to surprise you. It is the who's who of dirt racers in the NASCAR Cup Series. Kyle Larson, he is the favorite To win this weekend, he's at plus five fifty. And Christopher Bell, the other you know best known dirt racer in the Cup Series, he's plus eight hundred. Last year, those two got together early in the race, took both of them out, and it was left to you know your guys with little to no dirt experience, Joey Logano and Denny Hamlin, dueling for the win. Speaking of Logano, last year's winner, he's the third favorite at plus nine hundred in this race. My pick for this weekend. It's my first weekend that I had to go with the absolute favorite. I'm going with Larson. This guy just wins in everything that he's in. He's had an up and down season so far. Got that win early in the season. But I think he becomes our season's second uh, multiple-time winner after his teammate, William Byron, accomplished that at Martinsville this past weekend. But if you're looking for long shots, there are a couple of really enticing ones this weekend. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., he finished second in that race last year. He is well-accomplished. On dirt, and he is plus twenty five hundred, a five dollar bet on Stenhouse. Just a flyer on Stenhouse would net you one hundred and twenty five bucks. And then you mentioned Cup drivers running in the truck race as well. Austin Dillon is doing that as well, and he also has a dirt background. He was consulted by Bristol last year when they were putting this track together, and he's plus four thousand to win the Cup race this weekend. That'll net you two hundred bucks on just a five dollar bet. So while Larson's my pick to win the race, if I'm just, you know, looking for a little flyer to win this race and net you a lot of money, Stenhouse and Dillon, those are some really tasty odds. And you should keep your eye on them going into the weekend because I got to imagine some people are going to, you know, log into their log into their apps and see those are the odds on those guys. And they might come down just a little bit from where they're at right now.
1: Well, that's a steal because, yo, know, you like Larson. I like Seabell, but I'm not going to turn... Ricky Stenhouse Jr. away either. Of course, with all the unknowns that we've had so far in 2022, who's to say it's not someone else that's going to take the checkered flag this weekend? Producer Trey, we thank you for those odds and those updates. Let's update our broadcast schedule. We will be at Bristol Motor Speedway on Saturday with the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. We'll have live coverage of the Penny's Truck Race on Dirt, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And then we'll be back here. On NASCAR Live Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, we'll have another download for you of the NASCAR Live Wide Open podcast one week from today, and then we're off to Talladega Super Speedway. Got four broadcasts coming your way. We'll talk more about that next week. For producer Trey and the rest of the MRN crew, we thank the Friesens and Josh Williams for joining us. We thank you for downloading this episode as well. We'll chat with you again next week right here on another episode of NASCAR Live Wide Open. Until then, so long, everybody
2: nascar live wide open is brought to you by toyota for the latest toyota racing information visit toyotaracing.com. buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour and bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes ruoff mortgage has the technology expert staff and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close so, while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. NASCAR Coast to Coast is a show dedicated to spotlighting the short track community across the country. Offering a new show every Thursday on the Motor Racing Network's YouTube channel, this show has it covered. Hosted by Chris Wilner and myself, Kyle Rickey, NASCAR Coast to Coast offers insightful interviews and fun deep dives into the what, when, why, and hows of grassroots racing in America. This show serves the heart of racing from coast to coast. Do you have an unused car, truck, motorcycle, boat, or RV taking up space?